0: Hi, everyone. Good morning. Um, If you can't see, everyone can see the title, hopefully. Um, So, Loving God by Loving Your Brother, Receiving Rebuke as a Prerequisite for Giving Rebuke. So, this is either your chance to leave now, or if you're planning on giving me rebuke, wait until you've heard this message. (laughs) Um, Let's start in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the joy that you filled all of us with. I thank you that as we were destined for death, you promised us life. And you keep your promises because you're a steadfast and faithful God and a good father. I pray that I would be able to preach this sermon in a spirit of, comfort and uh, grace and mercy, because you've given me so much grace and mercy, Lord. And I pray that you would soften everyone hearing this hearts, that you would remove the scales from our eyes so that we may see your word, and remove the scales from our ears so that we may also hear it, Lord. Let it penetrate our hearts and our minds and be transformed through sanctification through your holy spirit lord we can't achieve anything today through speaking or just hearing but it's hearing through the word of of god hearing through his spirit so meet us today In jesus name amen all right so this is been on my heart to do it started out as one message, like all, they, all of them do, and it's going to become a three-part, mess, three-part series. Um, it started out just how to love your brother, basically, and then I was like, well, you have to know that you have to love your brother, so that's getting another message, and then Christiana helped me to remember that first you need to know how to be rebuked yourself, uh, And so that's where the receiving rebuke as a prerequisite for giving rebuke. Okay, so there will be a message where I encourage all of you to encourage your brothers. But first I want the Lord's word to encourage you and transform your heart. And so the the key verse here um, is Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, here's the, I'll bring the verse up. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And I think all of us would agree that that's a pretty great commandment and we all agree we're trying to love God. And then he said, this is the great and first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and in Greek it means all the law and the prophets. Right? (laughs) Um, So that's the the greater theme verse for this whole series is loving your brother is loving God. And The Hebrew culture, there was a principle of the first, all all of after the first was held in the first. Okay, so when you give a tithe of your first fruits of your money, you're saying actually all the money after this is going to the Lord as well. Okay, so the Ten Commandments can all be summed up in the first commandment. And so this second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, can be summed up in love your God. So that's the whole point here, is I'm going to challenge us that if we love God, um, why do we hate our brothers? Or why don't we love our brothers more? You know, there's we all, I think, tend to be content with loving our brothers uh, to a certain degree. Where it requires as minimal sacrifice or uncomfortableness or whatever it is, that's where we want to cut off loving our brothers. You know, someone asks you to help with the church and you say, I'm too busy because I want to go see a movie tonight, or I'm tired and want to stay in. That's actually not loving your brother. And so we'll get more into those kinds of things. But today, I want to talk about. Receiving rebuke. So the first and foremost thing is we need to under that, understand that we are all spiritually blind a lot of times. Okay? And we'll go into the factors, the things that cause us to be spiritually blind. Because I want to get through that. Because if, if we wake up to the fact that there's blind spots that we have, things that we're spiritually blind about, and I'm not just saying like, one or two people are spiritually blind in an area, I'm saying every single one of us is spiritually blind in an area. If we weren't blind about some aspect of the spirit, we would be God. Okay? He's the only one that's not spiritually blind in some way. So don't close your ears off. Don't harden your hearts. Take this heart and say, am I spiritually blind about this area. Whenever you hear rebuke, say, is that true about me? Don't say it can't be true about me. Some of the, the most righteous men I've known have, have searched their hearts and found some really wicked things that they didn't even know was there. And the ones who make it are the ones who notice it before it's gotten too bad. <laughs> You wanna know why there's so many uh, you know, like in our culture with the Western evangelical culture, we put like, you know, mega churches have like one pastor who pastors like four or five satellite campuses, and that's it. There's no like eldership, it's no leadership, it's just the one guy. And you wanna know why they always end up coming out with a scandal of like some sexual sin or financial sin, it's because No one's challenging them, or when they do get challenged, they don't hear it because they're too spiritual to think they could be blind. So we're going to get through that. We're going to get through the importance of Scripture. If you haven't heard that enough from Greg and Josiah and basically anyone else who preaches from this pulpit, um, reading your Bible is important. Reading your Bible is important. That's it. That's all that needs to be said about that. And we're going to get into blessings and curses. So God's great. He doesn't just leave us with curses. He gives us blessings. Or I should say God is great. He doesn't just tell us about the blessings. He also reminds us of the curses. So we'll get into that. First off, spiritual blindness. So hear this part. If you get nothing out of the rest of this message, get that you have a blind spot. Okay? Hear, hear me out. Hear, and if you don't hear me out, hear out the word of God because most of this sermon's just quoting scripture. 1 John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Okay. I'm going to lay out evidences of like Later on, that if you're not willing to be rebuked, also if you're not willing to rebuke, that in and of itself isn't like a super big sin. It is a sin, but the sin is from the fact that. Your brother is under God's authority, under his umbrella, and so if you hate your brother, it's like hating God. It's an evidence. If you can't receive rebuke, it's evidence that you're not receiving rebuke from the Lord himself when you read the Bible. Okay, so I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that every time someone comes up to you and tells you you're doing something wrong, that it's from God, but guess what? You can search it out in the scriptures and find out if it's true. But if you're not willing to do that, then you hate God. You don't want to. He- you don't want God to change you. Matthew 18 um, is the parable of the unforgiving servant. So, if you haven't read that one, I encourage you to. The the summary the context is a servant who owed a huge debt to his master and comes to him pleading on his knees like forgive me of my debt and the master does but then that servant goes on and uh, a friend another person comes up to him another servant comes up to him and says I owe you a debt but it was like a day's wages it was not big it was not a big debt and he's like no no Go to prison. <laughs> like, I'm not going to forgive you this debt. And so that's where we're at. This servant that was forgiven a huge debt didn't forgive someone else's small debt. Matthew 18:32 through 35. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. Some translations say torturers. Until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do every one of, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So again, driving home the, the idea like unforgiveness and bitterness. I guess I didn't make that clear. These first two verses are are one of the spiritual blindnesses that we can have that are one of the biggest spiritual blindnesses we can have, okay um, I'll go back to the first John one. We do lots of different ministries in this church we you know have meetings for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for deliverance for inner healing for uh, we do one on one discipleship. And we do all kinds of different ministries and I can tell you those ministries make zero progress when the person is unforgiving in their heart. It doesn't matter to who. It doesn't matter why. You know, you could have been um, mugged and if you're unforgiving to the person who mugged you, that's going to prevent you from getting freedom and being set free from God. Why? Because Matthew 18 says, if you are willing to put someone else in jail, you will be in jail. And you're not going to grow much if you're, just, if you're in jail. <laughs> you want to move forward with the Lord? Pretty hard when, when you're in jail when you've put yourself in jail because you decided to be unforgiving. So unforgiveness and bitterness is hate to our brothers and sisters, hate to our neighbors. And that is like a chief spiritual blindness that a lot of people have and they think they can move forward with the Lord while they're being unforgiving and bitter. Um, Like some people, you know, they think they deserve to be allowed to be unforgiving and bitter. Like, that's the chief thing. It's a pride thing. And, you know, it's... Sometimes it's understandable if someone forgets that they're, like, un, like bitter or unforgiving to, like, a stranger who cut them off once or something like that. You know, that's probably not the thing holding you back. Um, but imagine someone who's so bitter, like someone who's bitter towards their spouse. You think you're going to grow in the Lord if you're bitter towards your spouse? The Lord says a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Do you think he, he means someone who finds a wife finds someone to be bitter at? A roommate. They're like like a training ground for how to live with a spouse. If you can't get along with your roommates, if you're bitter and unforgiving to them, that's an issue. The people in leadership who are charged with watching over your soul, if you're bitter and angry at them, do you think you're going to grow? Do you think if you're in a discipleship meeting and a person has set aside time to watch over your soul and help you grow and you're mad at them for something they called you out on, do you think you're going to grow? Why show up to the meeting? Why show up to church if you don't want to grow? Why be a Christian if you don't want to grow? Listen to Josiah's message on spiritual growth. He shouted me out, so I had to shout him out. I would have, anyways, because it was a great message. It was a great series. You know, the, both messages is just being intentional about spiritual growth is a calling to all saints. So don't think you're allowed to get off being bitter and loving God. Those things don't mix. So if you're bitter towards your husband or wife, you aren't loving God. And you're not going to be blessed you're going to be cursed. And scripture says so. Big blindness there. Okay? So another part is, is God God doesn't just leave us in our unforgiveness and bitterness. It, like He literally hides his face from those people that are unforgiving and bitter. Think about that. If you're wondering why you're having trouble getting into worship or sensing the presence of God, Maybe it's because you're bitter and unforgiving. Maybe it's because you hate your brothers. Maybe it's because you hate your wife or husband or your coworker or your housemate, your roommate, your discipler, uh, maybe you hate Greg. That's going to hide you God's face from you. He's going to see that hate, and He's going to hide His face from you. Micah 3:4 says, "Then they will cry out to the Lord, but He will not answer them. If you guys want to know what hell is, hell is God hiding his face from you. Do you know what the tragedy, what the greatest pain Christ experienced on the cross was God turning his face from him? So hear this message, okay? You don't want God to hide his face from you. You can call yourself a Christian, but if you have... Bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, you're living in hell. And if you haven't noticed that yet, you will. Isaiah 59, 10, or 59.2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God a great chasm, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. He's not going to answer the prayers of an unforgiving, bitter person. So the next part is uh, we're going to get into the importance of Scripture here. okay? Because I'm not just going to leave you with the fact that you have spiritual blindness. Guess what? You don't have to be spiritually blind. That's the great thing about Scripture is that you can take Scripture and examine yourself. Don't just take your brother's word from it when he comes to rebuke you. Don't take my word for it. Don't take... Josiah's word for it, your discipler's word for it, your spouse's word for it, search it out in Scripture and see that it's true. Because I, you know, I say this all the time when I'm in a discipleship meeting. I Sometimes I, I listen for a while, ask a lot of questions, and then I take guesses at what's wrong in their heart. I try and show them their own heart. But, you know, I can only guess because I'm not Scripture. But God says, you know, through the writer of hebrews for the word of god is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword there's some sharp ones out there piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and marrow marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart so if i can't diagnose what's wrong with your heart scripture definitely will And so when I'm in discipleship meetings, I'll say, maybe this is wrong with your heart. Have you tried reading this scripture that says that that's a wrong thing? So I'm not up here picking out different people in the crowd and saying, I know you're bitter. I know you're unforgiving. But I threw this scripture out there so you can do that to yourself. Am I bitter? Am I unforgiving? None of us is above being bitter and unforgiving. This is something I regularly ask of myself. I spent like an hour, I don't know if it was an hour, last night with Christiana, just not preparing this message, but preparing my heart for this message. Saying like, Lord, am I unforgiving and bitter? Am I in the right place to deliver this, your words, Lord? Like, who am I to... I am a man of unclean lips. Who am I to preach? So I decided I would just say less of my own words and put up scripture so you all can examine your own hearts alongside me. It goes on to say, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. You cannot hide your unforgiveness and bitterness from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.15 says, Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless, you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So I really like this one because it's, it's not just like test yourself to see if you fail the test, it's like test yourself to see if you pass the test, because it's, it's a win-win if you fail the test, now you know that you fail the test and you can get started on passing the test. Great. There's not a limit on how many times you can take this test. This, is, you know, there's, this isn't the ACT, it's not <laughs> finals, it's, it's not the bar exam. It's, if we had this as the bar exam, the world would be a lot less of a corrupt place. Um, <laughs> But if you pass it, that's a great encouragement to you. I regularly test myself to see if I'm in the faith, and I'm regularly encouraged by it. Sometimes I have to remind myself, yes, I am a Christian. (laughs) And then, then if I know that I'm a Christian... All the all the scripture I've memorized about his promises to his people, I'm a lot more confident about receiving those promises. James one twenty two through twenty-five says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, again, this is not a thing that this is not a law that puts you in jail. The law of being a forgiving and an a not being a bitter person, that law, the law where God says forgive your brother, seven times 70, is not a law that puts you in jail. It's one that sets you free from the jail of unforgiveness. It's a law of liberty. And it preserves being no hearer who forgets, but being a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. you will be blessed. That's a good thing. So, I love this image because whenever I think of examining myself, it it really is. You look at Scripture and you, am I this? Okay? And it's saying that you actually, being a doer, does this better than just hearing it. Um, After I just, like, started evangelizing or uh, discipling or especially preaching, you know, being a doer of the word, it's like, Exposes my sin so much more. <laughs> it's easy to think you're good at doing something if you've never done it. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people experienced that watching the Ohio State game the other day. <laughs> how many How many guys watch that game and you know they watch football and they're like, "Well, if he just did this, and he shouldn't have done that penalty, he should have like." Past here when he should have run. Uh, that's like being a hearer of football and not a doer, and you don't know how bad you are until you've tried to run a forty meter dash or something like that. Like you don't know how bad you'd be at football until you've tried to do it at a professional level. Let one of those linemen try and hit you. <laughs> you still want to be a doer? Okay. Like <laughs> But but that's what we're called to. Like, if you don't get out there and like do God's word, you won't know your own heart. So examine yourself. See that it is true. This is also a really nice thing. Um, I, I chose this one to be here because it transitions to the next point. Right. Um, the word isn't just pages in a book. It's incarnate. And how is it incarnate? So how does it become real? How does it become flesh? Where, where does the rubber that is the word hit the road that is life? It hits it in, the, in Christ. And it hits it in the church because guess what? We're supposed to be like Christ. So John 1, 1 and 14 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of only of the only son from the father full of grace and truth so the word is not just a book it's real and it's for life and it's for doing it's not just for hearing And it's for doing with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the point I'm trying to make by that. I'm not just saying like, go out there and do more ministry. I'm saying like, go out there and, and let your brothers and sisters do ministry on you. <laughs> okay? Whenever you hear a rebuke, it's your brother or sister following the word of God. They're, they're taking the word and applying it to life. Hopefully. If it's not the word applied, then it's not a good rebuke and you move on from it. That's why we examine the word to see if it's true. But if it is, if, you, if you're like, yeah, maybe I am like wasting too much of my time and I've read the Bible and it says like a slack hand brings on poverty or like a foolish man turns in his bed like a door hinge. Or a man who who hates wisdom is stupid. That's the words, words, not mine. (laughs) And I read that and I'm like, okay, then that rebuke that I've been wasting too much time was good. And I am wasting too much time or someone says you need to forgive some, you need to forgive your husband you need to forgive your wife you need to forgive your roommate and then you go and read Matthew 20 or Matthew 18 and you say the unforgiving servant gets sent to the torturers this person that told me to be to forgive my brother doesn't want me to suffer at the hand of my brother they don't want me to receive a bunch of wounds. They want to see me set free. They actually love me. Now, a lot of us took a counseling class last year, which is coming up. So I don't know if signups are over, they're still up sign ups are still up so I encourage you to take this counseling class it's worth its salt it's worth it's more precious than gold and silver um, the, the main guy there has been doing counseling for like 15, 20, 30 I don't know a lot of years and uh, he said one time he, had to, he did counseling on himself because he was in an argument with his wife once and he's like Why are you saying this to me? Whatever, whatever. And then his wife, this is the point where I cry. Uh, His wife looked at him and said, don't you get it? I'm your biggest cheerleader. Biggest fan, biggest cheerleader. I'm on your side. I'm not rebuking or reproving you because I hate you. I'm doing it because I love you. Do you think it's easy to give a word of reproof? If you really love that person, you know you're putting your relationship with them on the line. And you say it's more important that they hear this word than like me for a little while. So get over yourselves hear the word So here's the search the scripture part. You know, I've been nailing this for the whole whole message how to know if the church is being the word. Search the scripture. Acts 17.11 says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. It's a lot easier um, to be bitter and unforgiving in your heart when you don't think you're sinning against God. You know, sometimes my wife will rebuke me as a good wife should, in love and kindness. And sometimes I don't receive it well, and other times I do. And the difference between when I receive it well or don't receive it well is directly whether I have Scripture stored up in my mind at the moment to fight feelings of anger and bitterness. You can't just rely on the like the holy spirit to change your heart like holy spirit only let me be bad at or only let me be mad at those who are like giving me a bad rebuke Well first of all even if it's a bad rebuke forgive your brother 7 times 70 times You have no excuse to be mad at hearing someone give you a harsh word I've heard several instances lately of someone giving a bad rebuke and the people who received it, received it in so much grace that it, it blew my mind. I was like, if I had heard that, I would have punched that person in the face. <laughs> who are they to tell you that? But they didn't say that in their heart. They said, this is a brother who I love. I'll receive the rebuke. I won't, I'll test it against the word. But I won't harbor bitterness and unforgiveness against them. Because the next time, maybe the word will be good. Maybe you'll need to hear it from that exact same person who gave you a bad rebuke. You'll hear a good rebuke. And if you're unforgiving, you'll not hear it. But the word's there for all of us to examine. You can look at it afterwards. Sometimes there's things people tell me that I need a full 24 hours to process. Because I need to read the word. I need to be in prayer. But then there's sometimes where I have so, certain scriptures stored up in my head, like you're wasting time. Slack hand leads to destruction. Those kinds of things, like, I know that that's a thing in scripture, not to be lazy. So it didn't take me 24 hours to figure out that I need to get over myself. It took me like 1.2 seconds, and that was too long. So store up scripture. Read your Bibles daily. Memorize. Don't give room for your wicked hearts to fester and grow inside of you. The the unforgiveness and bitterness are already in your hearts. It's up to you whether you let it grow or not. Or whether you fight it with God's word. Right? So here's the blessings and curses, everyone. Here, uh, scripture usually starts with blessings and ends with curses, but I thought we'd end on a high note with the blessings. So, cherish these words I'm about to give you, and consider your heart and whether these are things you want or don't want. I can't tell you whether you should want a curse or not. I don't think you should. There's a reason they're curses. Words matter. Proverbs 1, through 26. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. So I just want to, side note, this is, uh, this is the Bible, not my words, okay? So don't hold this against me. <laughs> Take it up with God. See how that goes. <laughs> Proverbs 1, through 31. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, I would have none of my ca- and would have none of my counsel, and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own choices, own devices, own choices. If you don't take counsel, the seeds that you sow are yours to reap. I think... uh, I don't remember the the exact verse or the wording so this is kind of a paraphrase I, I know the intention of Paul basically saying like I came and preached the word to you so my hands are clean of your blood so you if you fall to curses because you didn't receive reproof or rebuke the consequences are yours to bear and that's what scripture says And that's a scary thing. I think often about how some people are, you know, full of anxiety or fears about the future and stuff. And I am frequently not filled with anxiety and fears of the future because I know there's so many people around me who when, if calamity falls on me, they'll have my back. This verse isn't saying that calamity will only fall on you when you don't listen to reproof and rebuke, but it's saying when it does fall on you if you don't listen to rebuke and reproof, then it's yours to bear. But if you hear wise counsel and, you know, rain falls on all men and you still come to calamity, all those friends that you've kept, all those friendships you've fostered and heard their words and trusted them, they'll be at your side when things go south. It's like the idea of burning bridges. Every time, you, every time you harbor bitterness and unforgiveness, every time you reject a friend's words from Scripture, you're rejecting that friend, you're rejecting God, and you're burning a bridge. You know, that other stories I've heard recently of people giving a harsh word, I'm like, man, I wish you hadn't given the bad rebuke or, or I wish you had handled hearing the rebuke better because now that person's gonna have a really hard time giving you a rebuke again or hearing your rebuke next time. You've hurt your relationship. Proverbs 5, 12 through 14 says, and you say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my, to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. When you rebuke one brother or sister, you're rebuking the church. Proverbs 10 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. That's a blessing. We'll get back to that. But he who rejects reproof leads others astray. Do you want other people's blood to be on your hands? I don't. And sometimes I feel that they, their blood is on my hands because of my sin. And I repent. And the Lord reminds me of his washing blood. Proverbs 12.1 Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. I told you, this is the Bible's words, not mine. I think that's a common phrase in certain circles of, you know, I've worked in several uh, manufacturing shops, and it's like a phrase they say, "Don't be stupid." Well, if you hate reproof, you're going to be stupid. Proverbs thirteen eighteen: Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. Proverbs fifteen five. 10 and 32. A fool despises his father's instructions. Yes, even your father has a right, an obligation um, as a brother and sister in Christ to give you rebuke and instruction. Even your father. But But whoever heeds reproof is prudent. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. He who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Don't say I'm stubborn. That is not a good personality quality. That is not your identity. Being stubborn is not an identity. Being stubborn is not an identity or a personality trait worth having. Being stubborn and hard-headed will break your neck. I think so often people take bad personality traits and say, "This is who I am. You are a new creature in Jesus Christ. You're a new creation. Bad personality traits are not an identity. I don't know who you receive that from, probably your flesh or the devil or the world, but that is not your identity in Christ. Being shy doesn't have to be your identity in Christ. Being an angry person does not have to be your identity in Christ. And being bitter, unforgiving, stubborn, hard-headed is not an identity that Christ has given you So you can't blame that on the way God made you. So here's blessings. Proverbs 1.23, if you, turn at my, if you turn at my reproof, meaning you hear the reproof and turn the way you're doing things, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. I think this one's, think about it for a little while. This is not saying that the ring or the ornament is like, that's a thing that the reprover should want. It's the thing that the listening ear should want. My wife just got her ears pierced for the first time. And she has beautiful earrings on and to see her face light up wearing those has been a joy to see there's a reason women wear earrings it's because they think they're pretty i think i haven't fi- i haven't i haven't figured women out totally yet <laughs> right yeah i don't think women have figured women out yet either <laughs> But God's put certain innate things in them to image his word. And liking earrings is an innate thing from God because it's a good thing. It's an image that he's given us. And hearing a reprover is like a good thing. Psalm 141.5 Let a righteous man strike me. Bring it on. It is kindness Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. So a picture here, hopefully like everyone's minds are just like, oil on my head. Oil is like an anointing from God. Whenever a priest or a prophet or a king was anointed, oil was poured over their heads till it dripped down their beards to the robes wherever their feet would go. It's saying wherever this person goes, they'll be anointed. So I had an interesting conversation with someone recently when I was talking about them giving a rebuke out of turn. I was like, you haven't been rebuked yet. And I was like, where have you heard giving people rebukes like this before? So I don't know. I was like, where in the Bible? Well, in the Old Testament, the prophets gave big rebukes to everyone. And I was like, okay, but Moses... Like Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I was like, what's the defining trait of, of a prophet? Someone who's broken and humble and has already received rebuke on rebuke upon rebuke from the Lord. Someone who knows how wicked their heart is, is humble. Daniel didn't harbor unforgiveness and bitterness to the people that held his people captive. So if you want to give rebuke, you better better have already heard it. This is a prerequisite thing. It says, you will not be anointed by God to give wise wisdom to anyone else unless you've heard wise wisdom first. If your head refuses the anointing that is reproof, then you don't want God's anointing. Yet my prayer is, continually against their evil deeds. So then there's a bunch of earlier verses, but we're out of time. So I want to close with, with a written conclusion because I've been thinking about this one for a while. So I hope it's not lost on you guys that I've considered this and weighed it. And uh, this whole series has been on my heart for like two or three months So after hearing those blessings and curses, a wise man would be delighted to hear his next reproof or receive his next rebuke from a friend. But we are not wise men. We are fools. Our desperately wicked hearts speak out of an abundance of pride and bitterness. They speak out phrases like, I thought we were friends. Has anyone said that when someone told them they need to change something? I thought you loved me. I thought we were friends. That's from an abundant, a wicked heart, from an abundance of pride and bitterness. And we're spiritually blind to this venom coming from our hearts because we so often give ourselves over to iniquity. I hope the Lord removes the scales from our eyes today so that we can examine the word and see that what it is saying is true. Do not harden your heart. Do not brush these words off onto someone else. That's a temptation today is pitchfork it over you to hear what I'm saying and say, man, I hope so-and-so hears this. This message is for the church. This is not for an individual. This is not for your person sitting next to you, it's for you. Sydney, Christiana, John Gray, Jane, Teresa, I'll pick on this side. Sam Shrimpoon. This is for you. And everyone else here. This is that who this message is for. So don't harden your hearts. This is how we obey the Lord. So Andresh, can start communion.